Not everyone knows what the Secretary of State does, but the Review Journal's politics and government editor, Steve Sibelius, thinks that it'll be the most important race on the ballot this fall. Today on CityCast Las Vegas, we talk with Steve Sibelius about why this often overlooked role is so important to elections integrity and why he thinks that the very foundations of democracy are at stake. It's Tuesday, May 31, 2022. I'm David Figler, and this is CityCast Las Vegas. You know, we here at CityCast Las Vegas, um, we were basically saying, what is the most exciting thing that we can get Steve Sibelius in, the pundit, the, the, the provost of pundits of Las <laughs> Vegas and, and, and the greater uh, Vegas Valley and maybe even Nevada too. I would say that the topic we came up with, I think, is the hottest, sexiest, most entertaining topic we can possibly come up with. It, we're going to talk about the Secretary of State race in Nevada. Steve Sibelius, welcome to CityCast Vegas. Thanks, David. Glad to be here. It's funny that you should say that because I was telling somebody the other day that, in fact, that is the most important race on the ballot, notwithstanding the U.S. Senate, the governor, races for Congress, races for the Moapa Valley Cable Television D Improvement District. Mm -hmm. That is the top one. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think that's kind of becoming true across the country. I've never seen more focus on school board races and secretaries of state than in this election cycle. So, uh, I want to know why that is happening. But before we do, let's just get some terms out there. What is it that the Secretary of State does in Nevada? The Nevada Secretary of State's job is essentially to oversee the elections in Nevada and to also uh, certify official acts of the governor. So when the governor issues a proclamation for David Figler Day, the Secretary of State's signature would appear below his certifying that, in fact, this is a legitimate government document and that this is, in fact, the signature of the governor. But the primary and most important responsibility is to oversee the elections uh, in the state, prescribe regulations, uh, certify uh, different uh, types of voting, and also serve as a registrar for certain uh, elected offices, those that uh, encompass more than one county. Uh, or, or for a statewide office. So if you want to run for governor, you register with the Secretary of State rather than if you say wanted to run for city council, you'd register with the registrar of voters of Clark County. Right. Why do you think it is the most important race on the ballot this year in your words? You know, the, the only explanation I have for this Secretary of State's race in Nevada, as well as other Secretary of State races in other states, is the Trump effect. Bill Maher has a phrase called slow moving coup in which he talks about uh, elected officials who don't believe the integrity of the 2020 election, who think the 2020 election was stolen through various means of fraud, none of which has ever been proven, notwithstanding a, a lot of efforts. Um, the getting into these offices, sympathetic people who want to do things that in the name of election integrity that would no doubt uh, frustrate the process 
There's a movement, for example, in the state of Nevada to go to paper ballots and hand counting of said paper ballots, um, which in a rural county with, you know, 5,000 voters probably isn't going to be uh, that big of a deal. Uh, But I asked Joe Gloria, uh, the Clark County Registrar of Voters today, what it would take for him to be able to do that. And in order to to switch to paper ballots and hand counting here in Clark County, he said he would need thousands more election workers sure. to meet the to meet the deadline. Um, but well, uh, we're the we're the population center. So really, right. the the counties that are still considering this move, it's going to be expensive to their counties, et cetera. But they also have much smaller populations. Yeah, but even a county like Nye County, it would be incredibly mm. disruptive and incredibly costly. All, all in the name of, of fighting uh, a fraud that has never been proven to exist, which is not very fiscally conservative, if you ask me. Based on what you're saying right now, what impact do you think a secretary of state in Nevada could have on future elections? Yeah, uh, a person who doesn't believe in the integrity of the elections in that office. For example, let's just say a presidential election, David, we have a presidential election, the secretary of state is supposed to oversee the electors for the winner. And let's say that Joe Biden was the winner of the vote in Nevada. But the secretary of state says, no, I'm not going to preside over that meeting of those electors. I'm going to preside over a meeting of these electors because I believe President Trump won. And I'm going to sign those electoral certificates and send those to Washington, D.C. No shot fired. The court challenge likely, but still that something like that could conceivably happen. Well, and it almost did. I mean, there was a effort that I think is still being investigated that there was an alternative slate of uh, electoral college voters that was being sent or considered to to the Capitol. Very yeah, strange. And, and the only reason that that did not actually happen was uh, the fact that the Secretary of State didn't preside over that meeting. Those were fake electors. They were in Carson City, but the Secretary was presiding over the real meeting. If the Secretary decided to preside over that, who knows what could have happened. Right, right. And we know that Sagafsky was not a proponent of the big lie and, and, you know, came under criticism from her own party for that. But let's talk about her. Let's let's talk about the accomplishments of uh, Secretary of State Sagafsky during her tenure, and maybe also maybe what some of the criticisms of her tenure were as well. Yeah, absolutely. First of all, I, I think they ought to build a, a bronze statue of Barbara Sagafsky in front of the Secretary of State's office in Carson City. She she is that important to. Uh, what happened in 2020 and, and in 2016. Frankly, mm. I was at a meeting in 2016, immediately following the election. And I asked her about President Trump's declaration that, well, he would have won the popular vote in 2016 had it not been for the three million illegal votes that were cast. <laughs> and right. she just shook her head and shrugged her shoulders and told me, no, the election in Nevada, as far as she she could say, is Nevada only, was conducted fairly, properly and accurately. And she has maintained that same attitude throughout this whole thing. You've got to understand, David, the the amount of criticism, the censure of her own party, this party who that she has been a member of her entire life, that she yep. exemplified the conservative wing of, has now turned on her. But it wasn't just that. She and her top election deputies received death threats 
during the election from people who believe that they were stealing the election, whether they actually believed it or they just trusted President Trump, whatever. This went to a very dark place. And she stood strong. She could easily have knuckled under. She could have let partisanship uh, guide her way. She didn't do any of those things. She did her job. She did it well. And I think she surprised a lot of people who knew her in the legislature as a as a fairly partisan Republican. But in in terms of secretary of state, she left partisanship behind when she got elected to that office. And she has not done a a single partisan thing that I can see during her entire tenure. Interesting. Okay, so now we have a bunch of people who are very interested in replacing her. The field is very crowded, at least on the Republican side. So uh, with the seven candidates that are there, uh, do any of them stand out to you? And why is that? I'll tell you one who does stand out to me is uh, Jim Marchant. Sure. He's a former Nevada assemblyman. He uh, has been a very big proponent of the big lie. He has gone on a rural tour trying to get these rural county governments to recommend that the clerks in their county switch from uh, electronic voting machines to paper ballots. And he's had he's had some varying degrees of success. We wrote a story about it in the Review Journal not long ago. Several counties have rejected this idea, the most populous of which is Washoe County. And uh, so, but other rural counties are really embracing this idea. And it's ironic to me, too, because the election results of rural counties in Nevada is not in doubt. There is no doubt whatsoever. You could print election result maps right now that show all those counties as red and you would never be wrong. The only the only questionable counties would be Clark and Washoe. Every other county uh, mostly has has gone red. Occasionally, Carson City and maybe Mineral County went for Harry Reid mm-hmm. a few times. But the 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 vote there is not in question. If there if there was any questionable vote, it would have to be in Clark County, where, right. as you pointed out, most of the people live. Yeah, I mean that's the whole thing, right? It, it's like. Uh, all those counties did, that did go went, and so what is the what is the complaint? It's it's quite interesting. Yeah. All right, so you've got Jim Marchant, and you've got a couple of these others, some familiar names. There's a former judge on there. There's a former broadcaster on there. There's some other names that are probably a little bit more familiar up north. How many of these candidates have spoken out? Of these Republican candidates, have spoken out about the big lie. Is this an entire slate of election denialists? Do they come in gradients? Is there a spectrum here? There, there is a spectrum. There's a spectrum of election denialism. And, and I think Jim Marchand has said flatly that the, the, his 2020 race was stolen from him. He ran against Stephen Horsford in the 4th Congressional District and lost. He, he believes the election was stolen from Donald Trump and is not shy about saying so. A lot of the other candidates will not actually go there. They will they will attenuate their remarks to basically say, well, you know, we don't know what happened in 2020. We can't be sure, but certainly we can do things to strengthen and tighten our election security so that we have more confidence in the the election, which sounds nice, right? Who, who would oppose, you know, making sure the election results are accurate? We, we all want that. The fact of the matter is there are safeguards in place. And we're getting more safeguards every day. I just took a tour today, David, of the Clark County Election Center, and they have put in a huge amount of uh, plexiglass windows that look on every aspect of the 
uh, election, when the ballots are taken out of the envelopes, when the ballots are fed through the counting machines, you can go and look at all of that. It's all behind glass. There's right. no secret rooms with secret ballots and people marking ballots or anything else. Um, and, and there's a great deal of transparency and I think a great deal of security. Okay. Now let's switch over to the Democrat side. There's not going to be a primary. There was a showdown that was uh, shaping up for a second uh, with Ellen Spiegel, whose name is probably familiar to watchers of the legislature. She dropped out, switched over in February to the controller's race. God knows what that is. Maybe we'll have a whole other segment trying to figure out what a controller is. But that just leaves one Democratic candidate. That's Cisco Aguilar. Yes. What, what should we know about uh, Cisco? And why do you think Spiegel dropped out? Uh, I think Spiegel dropped out at the encouragement of other Democrats. They didn't want Cisco Aguilar to have a primary because they realized that he needs all the money and all the time that he can ha- he can possibly wrangle to be able to fight off a challenge in November. The conventional wisdom it is is going to be a very good year for Republicans. That's typically what happens when the president's uh, in power. The president's party loses. Uh, seats in the national legislature in the first election after the election of, of that president. And uh, it, it's looking like that that will happen. Uh, so I think Democrats worried because they know, too, that this is going to be one of the most critical positions of all of the constitutional offices. I think I, I think they would uh, they would give up every race save for governor uh, if they could keep the secretary of state because they're worried about what might happen if a Republican uh, who, who who believes, uh, you know, voter uh, uh, fraud occurred in 2020 gets into that office. So how does he play against the Republican candidates? And just as a side note, there's also some independent or third party candidates that are in there too. Anything interesting about them being in this race? Not, you know, not really. I think the, uh, the Libertarian Party boasted that it had uh, more candidates on the ballot than ever before. The, Ameri- the Independent American Party has also fielded some candidates. Typically, they're not factors in these kind of races. And, and when they do operate to uh, to be a factor, they usually take votes away from the Republican candidate. Cisco Aguilar, to answer your question directly, has not had a really big presence on the campaign trail. You may say uh, he's the invisible man so far for this, this election cycle. But I wouldn't assume that there is nothing going on. He is not at the beach with his with his feet up drinking a, a pina colada. He he's actually out there raising money. He's visiting uh, the groups that you have to visit to get the uh, voter turnout. And wisely, he is letting the Republicans fight it out. Let right. them spend their money, uh, attack each other, say that you are you are you are um, not as committed as I am. Uh, there was a recent dust up in the uh, U.S. Senate race in which. Uh, Sam Brown and uh, accused Adam Laxalt of being ineffectual in his attempt to thwart the election in the in, in the 2020 election through lawsuits. And the and the Republicans were debating over who did a worse job trying to thwart the election, which is yeah. <laughs> I, it, it is an amusing kind of side side note that that's the debate. No one was saying, but wait, none of this is true. Um, right. And so uh, so Cisco Aguilar is letting that happen in the in the foreground while he in the background does the things that he's going to do and i think on on uh, june 15th uh you will you will start seeing cisco aguilar a lot more than you're seeing him now 
Got it. And I'm, I'm curious just to your thoughts, Steve, on what's going to happen with this primary. Who, who's going to come out on top? And is it going to be potentially someone who says that, you know, our election results in 2020 were not valid? Well, you got to remember the, the field that we're talking about here. It's the Republican primary field and the most passionate Republicans turn out. Primary election turnout in uh, off-year cycles is usually not very high. I believe the highest that the Clark County uh, Elections Department says they've seen is about 30%. So you're talking about the most passionate voters, and they are maybe the ones who are most passionate about the fact that they think Donald Trump was improperly denied the presidency in 2020. So with that in mind, that's kind of the makeup there. I, I think somebody like Jim Marchand, whose name ID is going to be very high in some of these rural places, uh, has a real shot to win. I wouldn't count out Gerard Romalo, who is a longtime local newscaster for the Sinclair station, KSNB, down here in Southern Nevada. Um, I wouldn't count out Jesse Haw. He's airing ads. They're, you know, uh, and remember, it, it doesn't sound is, like you're counting anyone out, man. Come I, well, on. There, there's some there's some people that I, I, I would uh, I would count out of, of this whole thing. Are, are there moderate Republicans in this race or do the moderate Republicans in the state have one of the candidates that they are hoping for? You know, the, the moderate Republican in Nevada and in nationally is has been an endangered species for quite some time. Mm. I, I think uh, there are moderate Republicans. Yes. None of them buy into this election fraud. Uh, there are people like Brian Sandoval. There are people like Tom Roberts and Jill Tolles in the, in the assembly, both of whom are leaving the assembly, by the way, because it's, it's not a very uh, happy place to be if you're in the minority and if you're sitting cheek to jowl with people who are uh, uh, much more conservative and consider you a sellout and a traitor. So this endangered species, who who do they like, uh, or who who do you uh, assess that they're supporting in this race, in the Secretary of State race? With without being too sarcastic, I'm going to say Cisco Aguilar. Wow, uh, because uh, I there there is no. If you're asking, is there a Barbara Sagaski? Is there a second Barbara Sagaski? There isn't. Barbara Sagaski is not endorsing in this race. As I said, she abstains from any partisan activity. But I don't think that she could look at the field and find and say, this is a Republican who we can trust to be in the mold of Barbara Sagaski and handle the election with the integrity of Barbara Sagaski. I don't think you're going to find that person. Yeah, that's a wow. Um, <laughs> I had a pause. I wanted to know how, I, you know, I was trying to thought, be thoughtful about how I wanted to phrase it, but that's just a wow. And I get it. Uh, probably a lot of that has to do with just this, this bitter feeling. Let's come back to the big question to you. What is at stake with this Secretary of State race? Well, I think literally th this is one of the battlefronts for the integrity of democracy. If you are interested in having the voice of the people heard when they go to the polls and they do so safely and accurately and cast their ballots, whether by mail, whether early vote, whether in person on election day, however you prefer to do it. If you are interested that those votes count and that the results are accurate and true and that they are not going to be questioned, if you are interested in accurate and fair elections, then this is the most important race. And it is important to find somebody who I'm not talking about partisanship. 
left or right. I'm talking about somebody who says, I will do this job. We will count the ballots accurately. And I don't care who wins. We will certify that person as the winner. And we will not certify somebody who lost the election as the winner because that is not democracy. It is a battlefront for democracy. And I, I know that sounds alarmist and uh, some people will think I'm overstating the case. I don't think I am. I think that is the case. I don't think anyone who's followed you, Steve, as, as I have for so many years, would ever consider you to be an alarmist. And so I think <laughs> people should take that warning uh, to heed. Politics and government editor for the Las Vegas Review Journal, Steve Sibelius. Thank you so much for debuting your appearance here on CityCast Las Vegas. We do look forward to having you in the future many, many times. Thanks again for coming on, Steve. Absolutely. Looking forward to coming back. That's all for today on CityCast Las Vegas. If you found the show interesting and important, tell a friend. You could also go rate the show, leave us a review, and subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back Thursday morning with more news from around the city. Take care. There's Steve Sibelius. Oh, my friend. Yeah. Okay. Steve.